Hey, just a reminder that friend of the show and sketch card artist Ben Abusada is giving Rebel Base Card listeners 20% off sketch cards in his Etsy store. If you go to Etsy.com slash shop slash KSGeekman and use the code RebelBaseCard, you'll get 20% off of sketch cards. You can find the link in the show notes. All right, let's do the show. You found something. You found the Rebel Base Card Podcast. What a piece of junk. I'm your host, Greg McLaughlin. He's as clumsy as he is stupid. Join me as we discuss Star Wars trading cards and card collecting. We need a statement, not a manifesto. We'll talk about sets from the original vintage. No, no, the one I'm pointing to. All the way to current releases. This? Yes. All right, let's get started. Commence primary ignition. Welcome back, or if this is your first episode, welcome aboard. My name is Greg McLaughlin, and this is the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Big show for you tonight is my guest is Dominic Pace from The Mandalorian. So it's a little different format than my usual shows, but when the opportunity presented itself to get a chance to interview Dominic, I jumped at the chance, and so I was really f- fortunate that I was able to present this episode for you tonight. It's a little different format, so I won't stray too long, and we'll get to the interview here in a few minutes. But if this is your first time to listen to the podcast, let me just kind of lay out kind of what we do here. Obviously, as the Rebel Base Card dictates, we are a first and foremost a trading card podcast. We talk about card collecting. We talk to card artists as well as other people in the Star Wars community. Uh, we try to go on a regular basis. Sometimes it's weekly. Sometimes it's biweekly. But what I like is this long-form conversation that allows me to get a chance to talk with people, find out why they collect things, why they do things, to find some of the reasonings behind how they got started, how they kind of get all this stuff done with life in the way and so forth. But it's really fun and engaging to talk to people in the community and and learn about their passions and learn about their love for Star Wars. It's really fun, and it's been a great journey so far, and I hope to bring you more and more content as the months and years progress. One thing I liked about Dominic Pace, and he has an IMDB page a mile long, uh, he's, he's a blue chipper. He just kind of comes in and gets the job done. Uh, he's been a lot of different things. I know he's been in 911. He's been a little bit in NCIS, Superstore. He was in Veep. He was in a movie called Megalodon. He's done soap operas. Um, so he's more than willing to kind of show up and do whatever it takes to you know, fill that role. One thing that I like about Dominic is he's very active on social media and he's kind of reached out to other podcasters, other content creators, and has really kind of made a, a little bit of hay with this. And I really dig the fact that now we're seeing like sketch uh, artist interpretations of his character Gecko, but we're also seeing some other content that's created about it. Uh, he's been able to get on some podcasts, including mine, and we're really kind of getting a great amount of story, a little bit of background material. But we're also getting to interact with Star Wars, which I think as a Star Wars content creator, that's what we all want to do. We all just love Star Wars. We buy the figures. We buy the cards. You know, buy the posters. We go to cons. We love talking about Star Wars. We love talking about Star Wars to other people. So when Star Wars kind of reaches out and kind of engages with us a little bit, it just takes it to a whole other level. And it's been really fun so far. And it's going to be fun as we're watching The Mandalorian go episode to episode. And this is something we really haven't seen before on this kind of level. And it's going to be really exciting. I know that I will be a day one subscriber to Disney+. Plus. I want to get that bundle that has Hulu+, Plus as well as ESPN+. Plus. So I think you can only get that on day one. So hopefully by the time you will have heard this, I will have already saw the first episode of The Mandalorian and already be geeking out about it. Can't wait for it. Also can't wait for a physical card set. I know we had the trailer set for The Mandalorian, and that was some really, really cool cards. I can't wait, and I really hope that Topps puts out a physical set because I think this is going to be a show that's really going to catch fire. Already got good reviews. Can't, can't wait. One last thing. I love the fact that Dominic is very engaging in charity work, and he'll hear him talk about it during my interview. So he's giving back to the fans, he's giving back to the community, and I think this is really a character and a person that we can really get behind, and it's going to be fun to watch his career. He's had a long career already, but it's going to be fun to watch this grow even more. And lastly, a huge shout out to Daniel Lowe over at Fantatrax and at White Boba Fett 
on Instagram and Twitter for helping me arrange this interview with Dominic. Without his help, I doubt we could have got this thing going. And once we're done, we'll wrap up and go from there. When you kind of, when I kind of look at your IMDb profile and you have so many, so many parts, so many pieces, so many roles, you know, it's not fair necessarily to think of this as sort of the beginning, but there has to be a sort of a day before and a day after. There's sort of like everything up before and there's everything past. How does this kind of make you feel as far as what's kind of at stake or what's happening in, in your career, in your life right now? Well, you know, it's funny. I just had a conversation with my mother. She's going to meet me on Rhode Island after uh, Mandalorian airs. And uh, I told her, I said, you know, this is not exactly the conventional way we thought of the quote unquote big break, uh, because obviously we thought it was going to be through some sort of a major guest star. Uh, and, you know, I have a, a good handful uh, coming up and, and also uh, perhaps a recurring or a series regular where I'm the face of a show. Um, but at the same time, uh, because I've been such a fan, um, I've not only been able to appreciate, you know, my journey as a character actor, which, again, doesn't get that much of a draw uh, just because a lot of these crime dramas, especially if you're the side characters, it really doesn't draw that much appeal on a national and international scale. But at the same time, I can't tell you how much I appreciate and how I've appreciated so many of the actors from the Star Wars universe that it excites me that I'll be able to perhaps have that impact on fans the way that, say, Billy D. Williams or Mark Hamill had on me, or of course, you know, my idol, uh, Harrison Ford. Um, and again, even though it's just a, a smaller side character, uh, that just, that in and of itself uh, makes me very excited. It, I don't necessarily tie it. It's almost like a YouTube entertainer or say the Kardashians to where, you know, there's sort of a celebrity that really isn't necessarily warranted in terms of your work as an actor. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I, I mean, coming from childhood and this series predominantly being the inspiration as to why I have chosen what I have done, not only for the music of John Williams, but the but the magic of George Lucas and all the magical cast from the original trilogies. Uh, it's it's tremendously um, empowering and it's something that uh, I'm very excited for and, and and welcoming with open arms, including all the fans around the world. Can you talk a little bit about you? How do you how you got the job to begin with? Sure. Um, I, I, what I've been saying is, is that I've been a blue collar actor for the last 23 years. When I was 17 years old, I went to college for one year. Uh, I promised my mother after I left, I said, you know, I, I really want to pursue acting 110% from the get go. I knew that it was never going to be easy. And what I'm getting at is that I've always been a blue collar actor. I take every job you could imagine. And it's not pretty. I just I was on set today and somebody's like, God, I've seen you from somewhere and they can't place it because you never know if it's from leading as a, the guest star of the show or even doing like featured background, uh, whether it's waiting tables, whether it is a driving Uber, whatever it is, it's, I've never not taken pride of having a day's work and working hard for my family in order to support them. Um, in order to have your freedom and flexibility to pursue this dream, you have to be willing to do independent contracting. It's not pretty all the time. Sometimes it's setting up red carpets. I have a dear friend of mine, Franco Vega, who's an amazing character actor, and he owns a moving company. I've, I've partaken in that over the last couple of years. It's grueling work. But what I'm getting at is that I was invited for a simple makeup test. Little did I know that Legacy Effects is one of the top companies in Hollywood. Uh, they work with both Marvel and Disney. I've done previous prosthetics. I used to stand in and double for uh, Frankenstein on Van Helsing. Uh, one of the most amazing experiences, spending three months with Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsdale uh, in the Howard Hughes hangar, the old Howard Hughes hangar, uh, where he built, I think, his big Boeing for the first time. Uh, so I met a gentleman by the name of Brian Seip. Uh, and little did I know at the time that Brian uh, did Drax, uh, David Batista's uh, makeup and his prosthetics uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy. I was in his chair, and I've always just had a great attitude. Being around some of the greatest celebrities over the course of my career, specifically Will Smith on Bright, I was one of the orcs, I did prosthetics, and then also Hugh Jackman I spent two months with. When they have a positive attitude and they come to work professionally, ready to work, and also very humble, there is no excuse whatsoever. I don't care of the old Hollywood diva attitude, what have you. I have carried that with me since day one in terms of always making sure you're invited back. And then also just as a human being, always being respectful. To, I don't care if you're do, doing extra work or you're the star of the show. That's always been my mentality being, I always call it a New York mentality in terms of always staying grounded. Um, but anyhow, for six hours, I was in the chair. Brian split my face in half in terms of different makeup styles. Half was makeup on one side. The other half was prosthetics and they were testing. 
They did not mention at all what the project was, but all I did was respectfully give him my business card at the end. And I said, Brian, I said, I've been on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was one of the Cree. And of course, you know, I did Frankenstein, et cetera, et cetera. I said, whatever you're working on, because he, he did not mention it. They took our, my phone. I said, I'd, I'd be honored to be a part of it. Uh, two weeks later, I get a phone call to report to Manhattan Beach Studios for a uh, project called Huckleberry. Again, not knowing any clue or any idea whatsoever what I, what I was working on. When I got into these office sort of slash um, uh, sound stages, you can cut the tension with a knife. There was a, a lot of silence. It's almost like I worked, uh, you know, I've never been in the, involved in the FBI or the CIA, but it was, it was very, very similar to that level of secrecy. And I was with four other actors and we're all kind of staring at each other with this level of <laughs> intensity and, and, and also curiosity. Um, and it wasn't until I was invited by costume designer, legendary costume designer, he'd done Orville as well as other Star Wars series, Richard A. Pora. Uh, he came out and looked most unique, magnificent looking man I, I've ever seen in my life. Um, and he invited us into the wardrobe room. And, and as soon as I walked in, I think any Star Wars fan, you'd, uh, obviously it would click when you see the photos on the wall as far as the references and the wardrobe options they were going through. Um, that's when it all clicked. And that's where I needed to take a deep breath for a second. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. And then you, I mean, there is that elevated feel of like, this is really, you know, like, you know, it, it's a lot of times when we're looking like we, we think your career kind of starts here and goes down, but there's just, there's just been this lead up to this point. And I, I, I think you have to say that, you know, like, you know, like you're a blue chipper, I'm a role player. I, I, I do this. This is what I do. Yeah. And it still then has to feel, you, you almost still probably have to keep those emotions in check a bit. Oh, without question. I mean, the other thing is you don't want to get thrown off because you have too much excitement. Although I will tell you, uh, there was a specific uh, <laughs> one of my first toys as a kid uh, was a specific. I don't want to give too much away right now, but it was a specific uh, uh, vehicle for <laughs> uh, the Star Wars universe. And when I saw the life size version of that, when I went on set uh, for the first time, I, I just sort of uh, my jaw dropped. Um, I, you know, the process was really fascinating. I when I went into the wardrobe room and there was a hanger that said Dominic Pace, bounty hunter, um, <laughs> I was just beside myself because, of course, Boba Fett and the bounty hunters, I mean, all of them, Forlom and Zookas and, and uh, uh, Dengar and, and, uh, and Bosk, I mean, those guys I remember playing with over and over again as a child, um, they had three options for me. And because Brian worked on me so long with the makeup and he knew that I was patient, fortunately, there were two of the three options that had me masked. So I was going to be one of those guys, and I see them at conventions every now where, hey, I was the guy under this mask, or I was the guy under that mask. And, you know, of course, that's always exciting, but at the same time, you know, you sit at a bar and somebody's like, yeah, right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to be seen, and uh, Brian did such an amazing job in, in not only um, um, the makeup job, but also at the same time being adamant, saying, hey, I want Dominic uh, to have the most complex makeup, uh, <laughs> the most detailed makeup. So... Richard took it from there and uh, everything from this really badass oxygen mask to um, a bandolier, which is so signature to Star Wars legends, uh, uh, to have him address me in, in such an empowering way um, that I always dreamt of in terms of being a bounty hunter and, and making me sort of otherworldly was just uh, more than words could say. Uh, to add to that, um, I, I, I know that people are familiar with Samuel L. Jackson, where George Lucas handed him this suitcase with about five to six different options in terms of uh, lightsabers. And uh, when I get to set for the first time, of course, they're very delicate and sensitive for weapon with weapons, uh, and rightfully so. Um, I was given an option of different blasters. And again, I just wish every Star Wars fan <laughs> could have gone into my skin and have had the same option and the same dream. And I'm very confident with all the new series coming out um, that they will hopefully get that dream as well in one way or another. Uh, to be a small part of the universe. Uh, but it was really something. Of course, I went with the heaviest and the biggest, uh, even though there were 15-hour days, and I, I knew that I would have to carry it around for that long. Um, but I said, you know, especially being six foot four, 260 pounds, I'm built like a, like Jason from Friday the 13th. I said, this guy's got to have a big-ass uh, gun. And, and uh, <laughs> I'm so happy I was able to, uh, to pick out the one I wanted there. When you saw yourself, or maybe if you caught, caught a glimpse of yourself in the mirror after the, you know, the entire outfit was put together, did you catch yourself just staring for a little while? Uh, yeah, it, it, Brian, I mean, he's, he's just, I mean, he's been on Captain Marvel. He's been on, uh, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy and been with Drax and everybody over there for so long. He's worked on the, the scrolls. Um, you know, the unique take and the taste that Brian has combined with Richard A. Pora, 
who almost is so otherworldly in terms of even looking into his eyes that you feel that the man has literally visited a different planet at some time or <laughs> other in his lifetime. Um, it really had this very surreal uh, look. Now, mind you, there were not any, there weren't too many mirrors around. We were not allowed to have our phones. So it would be like sometimes these brief little reflections of seeing myself and, and along with my head and the shape of my head. Um, but without question, I mean, again, it, it, it's just one of these things. I don't know if you've ever had anything in your life to where maybe perhaps you want a lottery ticket or you, you know, maybe got the job of your dreams or what have you to where it's just really hard to all take in within that moment, you know, and, and that really was what it was. And it still is to this moment until, you know, building up until the release um, that really, really is, is, is something that sort of, <laughs> it has me sort of awestruck and, and, and sort of uh, shocked in a way. But uh, like I said, all amazing feelings and, and something that I hope um, if the character resonates, this amazing side character, uh, I hope to do a lot of good with in terms of uh, uh, charitable organizations and then also helping out uh, and inspiring as many children and, and, and people in need uh, as I can. Is there anything you can talk about as far as the character itself, as far as any kind of background or motivation or how you kind of interpreted the character as they gave it to you? For me, I always love, um, I love intensity. You know, um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't think that bounty hunters are one dimensional, but the, the, my size alone, when I put on the boots, when I put on the gloves, and I, I'm sure that cosplayers can sort of relate in terms of when they put on, say, their death trooper outfit or what have you, there's a certain persona that overtakes you. If I were to put a blaster in your hand right now, and you were to say, perhaps have a standoff with somebody, and you were to aim that blaster, just all in the imaginary world, nothing violent in the real world, um, I think that sort of overtakes you. I've done this for so long, and the one beautiful thing, and I wish I can bring every, everyone inside of my mind in terms of, it's almost like the Matrix when you are a veteran actor. And what I mean by that is you are able to create the universe around you. So when you are on the set of a Star Wars universe, and I'm sure many Star Wars fans can already relate, even being at a Comic-Con convention, to where you know, you're surrounded around you know, perhaps your uh, other fellow cosplayers, um, there's an overall level of intensity that uh, overcomes you. And if, you, if I were to tell you, you know, it's almost like Rudy Rudiger, where he goes, is allowed to go on the Notre Dame football field for the first time. And if I were to tell you right now, listen, you're going to be in this heavy, intense action sequence in the Star Wars universe, uh, it's amazing what that will do to your adrenaline. So a lot of times, the, I think the most brilliant performances is when you're completely out of your head. And even if something where it's, you know, it's regarding a side character, like, say, a plateau or the skiff guard or what have you, there's a level of intensity. There's a level of intent that will overcome you. And it stays with you from action to cut. And uh, I, I'm very confident that I was able to uh, to hold on to that uh, through my takes there uh, uh, each day. It was a beautiful two week process there. And I think also having done so much series work, I know there's a lot of, you know, because this the Mandalorian is so different in terms of you know, not, the one thing I think is consistent probably is how it was produced. It's produced at such a high quality level, but it is in serial format as opposed to like doing a movie. Um, yes. You have to feel that your experience in doing episodic television has yeah. to lend itself to, you know, how the show is put together as opposed to maybe those who even who are producing it going, well, this is the first time we've done a live action TV show. Sure. Um, they probably had to really appreciate the, the level you brought to that. Sure. I think without question, uh, you know, it, it, again, you know, I, I noticed some other actors at times, you know, where, you know, I, I would have personally have maybe had a little bit more gusto uh, just due to obviously how magical it was. Um, but yeah, without question, you know, when, when uh, somebody that you look up to comes out and they say, hey, listen, this is what the circumstances are. They're very heightened. And this is, you know, really what we're going for. And again, you have one opportunity. The other thing that has motivated me for so many years is the odd jobs. And I think everyone can relate to this. Say you're working at Walmart or you're a Target or you're a custodian or, you know, you're cleaning the bathroom somewhere or what have you. Or you're busing uh, tables or washing dishes. That motivation that once that second that you have that opportunity to shine and, the, and and everything that you've ever dreamt of in terms of whatever, say, you know, you always wanted to be in Marvel or DC or a Star Wars series. Um, when you have that opportunity, you have that minute, it's just like that Eminem song, you know, do not do not waste that opportunity, you know, and, and basically give it everything you have. It could be for uh, American Idol contestants to where, sure, you might be nervous, you might be shaking and the, 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 you know, you're getting those jitters, but at the same time, do not hold anything back, especially if they're telling you not to. And, and that's exactly what I did. There was a particular um, a scene uh, where 
the, the stunt coordinator wanted to see if I wanted to have it a little bit easier on me. And I, I, I can't exactly say what it was. And I said, listen, I said, I've been dreaming of this my whole life. I said, I don't care if I'm flying across the, the floor and I don't care if there's any pads. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to really uh, uh, be genuine and be able to, uh, uh, to give 110% of everything that I got for you right now. And that's what I did, uh, almost to a point where, um, well, actually two times I broke the blaster. <laughs> it, it was uh, under my arm, but I went flying so hard. But again, it was not something I ever wanted to hold back. And I think every Star Wars fan would agree if you had that opportunity in front of Filoni and Favreau and this amazing director, Deborah Chow, uh, you would give everything you had in your soul uh, to show how much uh, your appreciation is for the realism and how and the magic, not only that it did for us, but how I would love to do that even with the brief amount of screen time uh, uh, for other uh, fans uh, to appreciate it. The first time I ever heard an applause in the theater was Return of the Jedi uh, during the whole skiff scene. And, uh, you know, how beautiful that would be to be able to inspire a child, uh, whether, you know, you're the bad guy or the good guy, uh, to where you have such an intense action scene that they're cheering in the, uh, their own living rooms as well there now. And the... And of course, how excited you are as you're as you're getting through your work. It has to also be interesting to have seen how Lucasfilm and Disney has kind of dribbled out information up until this point. You know, in some cases, keeping a bit of mystery behind it, uh, mm -hmm. and also it had to been interesting of how you were probably either instructed or guided in how you reach out or you know, like the information that's being put out. What do you think about? up to this point of like how they've kind of handled it uh, as, as far as like the press? Oh, without question. And that's one thing that Ken, that we all always respect. Um, you know, listen, this, this is, you know, it's obviously a $100 million project. And at the same time, I mean, how great is it? I, I just saw the Joker last weekend. And if somebody told me the ending or somebody told me how brilliant Hakeem Phoenix was going to be, I mean, that would be disappointing. So, I mean, you really have to just genuinely respect in terms of uh, of their wishes in regards to storyline and everything else. Um, but at the same time, I think they've done an amazing job. And I think, you know, this as far as just uh, talking about my appreciation and, and uh, passion for being a part of it, I don't I think is harmless in, in, in so many ways. But uh, I think they do a great job in regards to that, because I think everyone who wants the uh, full going movie experience does not want to know about the storyline or where it goes uh, in one way or another. So I, I think they're doing a tremendous job. And uh, I'm certainly been so privileged to be able to honor that with them as well. One of the things I think has been interesting is that um, reaching into social media and kind of putting yourself out there, um, I, I was kind of interested in, you know, you had most likely a presence before this, but how has it kind of been as you've been kind of like going along, just kind of connecting and, and kind of, you know, testing out this Star Wars fandom? Um, I, I've been really excited. I've been a collector my entire life. I've been a fan my entire life. Uh, so to be able to touch the fans in, in one way or another, and, and, and again, I mean, all of it sort of is sort of mysterious. I mean, 99.9% uh, .9 of them all uh, genuinely just feel, you know, I'm a fellow fan just like everybody else. Um, but, you know, what really means the most to me are these two groups, the Mandalorian Mercs and the 501st throughout the, uh, the, the world um, in, in regards to their charitable um, uh, um uh, events that they have not only in the past but also coming up it's something that i i really um want to pride myself in terms of getting involved and to help the community if anything it's it's to bring people together you know if we look at the bigger picture of entertainment if we look at the bigger picture of star wars it's to bring people together it's to bring people optimism and hope and i've always been a part of that in my life and to be able to hopefully inspire not only fellow fans but people uh, from all over the world uh, through this beautiful art uh, and again even if it's just a small sort of side character, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Um, but to be able to connect with people in a positive way, not only uh, for charitable causes, and then also at the same time our appreciation of one of the most inspirational franchises of all time. Uh, it's such a beautiful experience, and I'm really excited to finally uh, let the cat out of the bag in terms of um, uh, uh, the appreciation for not only being a part of it, uh, but hopefully you receive that appreciation from all the fans in regards to uh, uh, being a very likable character uh, on and off screen. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that charitable work. How did you first start getting involved, and what are some of the charities that you're 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 fronting or in? Sure. Well, it was a, a, actually a, I had a really amazing publicist about seven years ago, and what happened was I was already starting, you know, guest stars and co-stars on television. Obviously, not a celebrity, and still I'm not, and I never want to be in necessarily in the sense of um, needing it just for the fame, but the one thing in terms of the inspiration and the influence that's meant very much to me. But what my publicist said is, listen. 
you know, I can't really get you in Entertainment Weekly and I can't really get you involved with Premier Magazine, et cetera. She says, but one of the things I really want you to get involved in is helping others. And at first it turned into just a sort of a, a PR sort of um, um, opportunity, but more and more as I started getting involved with the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, Shane's Inspiration, which builds playgrounds for uh, disabled children, it's all inclusive now, it's all about inclusion matters, um, to get involved with the homeless, the LA Mission downtown, to where we help feed the homeless about three, four times a year, uh, and then also the Women's Downtown Women's Center for Homeless Women. Um, I can't tell you how gratifying that is. I have been so grateful throughout my career, regardless of Star Wars um, and regardless of this, you know, again, this little dream opportunity of not only having a career, which I feel has been substantial, but also at the same time, the most important thing to me in life has been love. I have been blessed with the most amazing children you can imagine. My two sons, 14 and 11. My grandparents, my grandfather was probably one of the greatest inf uh, inspirations to me. He was an American a hero, Italian-American hero. He's in the 4th Infantry at Normandy uh, during D-Day. Uh, my mother raised me as a single mom. She was able to get those Star Wars characters and, and play sets for me. Um, I've had the most amazing girlfriends during high school and college and people that have always cared about me, the most amazing friends. And I, I think, you know, you hit a certain age and I know that in the Far East, they have certain traditions in terms of taking care of the elderly. But for me, I, I wish there would be an American rule that after 40 years old, no matter where you are in life, you start doing what you can to give back to society, to say thank you for not only the privilege of living in such an amazing country, but also the opportunity to have and to receive so much love for so many people. Um, it's, it's, it's so overwhelming sometimes that I can't do enough. It's not about the material wealth for me. It's about how much I can do to inspire others and to make others feel that love that I've received uh, for so many years throughout my life. I, I've been, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm slightly religious. I don't wanna use the word blessed, but I, I've been so grateful uh, for so many opportunities that uh, again, at 44 years old, you know, look, I mean, we've had cousins and we've had family members who already, you know, they get stricken with cancer or, or a heart attack or what have you. And if you were to ask yourself, if you only have one more week or one more year to live, what would you do? It's not about a Ferrari. It's not about the million dollar mansion up in the Hollywood Hills. It really is about how many people you can touch in terms of inspiring and doing good things for. And, and like I said, more importantly if, than anything else, uh, as much as I'm excited to do the comic convention tour, it's to hopefully try to inspire and to do good for others. And I hope I can do uh, that in terms of uh, touching people's lives in a positive way, hopefully through this this character here. You've kind of touched on on the conventions as it has kind of become a bigger and bigger part of 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 the fandom. Yes. Um, have you kind of de started developing, a, for lack of a better term, a, a game plan or, or things that you know? Are, are you trying to get you? It, it, there's not probably anything to get really ready for it, but how how do you think you're preparing for this? Oh, we've we've gotten ready already. Uh, there's a tremendous uh, agency. Uh, their name is CelebWorks. Uh, their last letter is X, and uh, I've already signed with them. Uh, they represent uh, the likes of the voices of Skeletor and Barney and uh, the cast of Red Dead Redemption 2. They've already locked me into Stockton, California in January, as well as Pensacon uh, over in uh, Pensacola, Florida in February. Uh, so we've been very much involved in them. And then uh, also just wanting to cross-check with Disney in regards to what type of merchandise, aside from uh, 8x10s, I can sell and also donate for charitable causes um, that have my character on it. Um, so yes, we've been very much involved in terms of the game plan for next year. Uh, it's been incredible as far as with the opportunities, not only, um, you know, hopefully to put my sons through school, but also <laughs> at the same time to meet so many fans and then also the opportunities to stem off from the local communities of the conventions uh, to maybe perhaps stay a day or two extra to be able to hopefully, you know, maybe visit hospitals or, or get involved in local charities uh, and be able to donate uh, either whether it's autographs or some of the merchandise uh, to go towards those good causes. So very much excited in terms of the opportunities uh, financially and then also in regards to charitable causes throughout the country and hopefully the world. Uh, we'll see what happens again after November 12th. We can pull the trigger uh, full force, but very excited. And uh, like I said, all in good spirit uh, to work with Disney and Star Wars, but also at the same time to celebrate the fandom, which I am I've been a part of since I was five years old. <laughs> well, and when you and when you say that, uh, was it the you know those first instances of seeing either Star Wars on TV or or at the movies. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, without question. Uh, you know, I don't know what Lucas has done where he has separated uh, from the rest. I mean, you know, I, I recall Star Trek. I recall Battlestar Galactica. I was five years old in 1980, and whatever the intricacy, perhaps a child psychologist can talk about it in regards to the magic 
uh, in the power that John Williams brought it, maybe, you know, the power through the music, but also through the design. I mean, it's not only Lucas himself, but those, his team around him that created these very unique characters, these side characters, and more importantly, as a side, aside from, you know, the figure of Han Solo and Princess Leia, the things that really got me was the color of Wal Walrus Man when I was five years old, or the color of Hammerhead, and the, the intricacy of the Cantina set that just fascinated me since day one. But I will never forget having that sort of overpowering feeling looking on screen when I was six years old, watching Empire Strikes Back in a packed theater where it was just larger than life. And I, I said in an interview previously, and the one thing that I always try to do as an actor is create those high stakes. Because the, I think the other thing was that with Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, and, and obviously the entire supporting cast, creating this sense of urgency in such a magical universe was able to create this level of realism to when you see this as a child, it has such a profound effect on you. And, and obviously we can talk about E.T. as well. We can talk about the Goonies um, in terms of having that powerful effect to where, you know, when you look at an action figure, you know, they say, well, why do you collect? I mean, you know, you say you're over 40 years old. Why, why are you doing this? It's to, to kind of, in my opinion, have sort of a closeness to something that has inspired you in so many ways. And, and not only through the inspiration of the story itself, believe in, and believing in yourself and hope, but also at the same time, the creativity and the magic and the uniqueness of these weapons, these spaceships, these uh, these figures and these characters from from another world. Um, I mean, all of it is just so fascinating. And like I said, I mean, he has done something so special to pull on our heartstrings in every single way, the same way a woman would do to us uh, as men or or vice versa or whoever your lover is um, to a way where you can't describe why you're in love with this person. But for one reason or another, it just pulls you in uh, in such a way that's that's beautiful in every way. There's a, there's nothing negative about it. Um, did you have the uh, Boba Fett uh, figure as a kid? Absolutely. I had all five. Uh, and when I go to Rhode Island next month for a little bit of a press tour, um, I am actually bringing all five original. My mother's going to meet me in Rhode Island. Um, uh, there's just a podcaster out there I would like to meet in person. He's been so supportive of my career. We're from New York originally, uh, but I'm going to be bringing all the original. I had pretty much the original 70-something figures. I might have been wow. missing one or the other, say the Blue Snaggletooth or the Emperor that you, um, uh, or, or uh, Yak Face, who you have to mail in <laughs> for, or what have you. That 1985 series was a little tricky with some of the Ewoks. But other than that, my mother did such an amazing job of, of getting them all for me. And, and I'm just, to this day now, it, it, even the older I get, the more I'm I'm fascinated with it because we didn't have that much money. She and she just genuinely cared about uh, uh, fueling my imagination. And, and Star Wars did that. The time that you had, I mean, I could spend an hour or two with my Millennium Falcon <laughs> and my figures in my bedroom in Austin, New York. I, it was it was one of the most creative uh, times of my life before we had all the YouTube and and social media and all that uh, all the distractions there. Did you collect cards at all? I collected a little bit in 1983. It was everything from uh, the figures, to the spaceships. And I recall the Return of the Jedi card set to where I had, uh, I think I make every tenth of them, there would be these stickers. And I remember placing them on my books and placing them on my, my sister's wall or what have you, the Gamorrean Guard, or uh, I, I forget which ones. But during Return of the Jedi, I not only had the cards of um, for Jedi, but also um, during that time from like say 1980 to 83, there were also movie cards. I, I'm sure you're familiar with this. I remember having Grease and Mork and Mindy. And, and again, it was just the intricacy and the uniqueness of the color of them uh, kind of spawned over for me when I became a huge baseball fan in the late 80s as well uh, in terms of collecting. And I could see the passion uh, through that hobby there, of course. Well, and it has to also, you know, like, you know, the one thing is sometimes that, you know, there, there's the things you let go. There's the things you, you kind of have to leave behind. But the, uh, so you're, you're, so what you're saying is a lot of the, a lot of that Star Wars collection you still have? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. I, uh, was featured on Entertainment Tonight, uh, before, uh, episode one aired. I did sell, unfortunately, and I'm kicking myself now, a life-size Harrison Ford, a uh, hot solo and carbonite. Um, but yeah, I still have all the original loose figures. As a matter of fact, we are in the process this week of getting a glass case. And then also there was always a dream collectible I always wanted. And I, I after I booked this really nice guest star on a show called 911, I'll be guest starring opposite Ronda Rousey in uh, early to mid-November. Um, I uh, treated myself to the Han Solo blaster. And this guy <laughs> from Florida has the most amazing replica that would seem pretty affordable. Uh, so I wanted to have that as uh, one of the major displays of my case, along with my icons, uh, Luke Skywalker lightsaber, which is my favorite piece of the whole collection. And then I'm going to have to say that you, you have to be thinking ahead. Um, when will we, you know, like, will we be seeing 
figures, you know, of your character, cards and so forth, that really has to kind of just be something you're just dying for. Uh, without question. I can't tell you how anxious I am. You know, when they shoot films, you just never know what's going to stay and what's not. And I recall, obviously, uh, some serious um, and uh, these key moments to where I felt myself on camera. Um, with the only X factor that I'm, I'm holding my breath on is that this is a TV series. If it was a movie without question being a one-of-a-kind, uh, unique character, bounty hunter, I would say without, a, without question. Um, what I'm hoping for is the fan base to really be a fan of the look of this character, um, the fascination and the mystique of uh, bounty hunters and how awesome they are. Um, and hopefully that will uh, give Disney a little nod to say, hey, you know, we got to go ahead and stream this out because they're doing so well with the merchandise, with the lead characters. Um, even though we normally do the side characters from motion, major motion pictures, we need to invest and perhaps look at the 10 episodes that we filmed uh, and the 10 hours of footage and say, hey, these are some of the, uh, the main characters or the side characters that the fans really took to. So we'd love to do it. Without question, I know that I have a, a, a couple of friends who uh, do uh, figures on their own and they're, say they're more than happy to make one for me. But uh, to have it officially in stone from Hasbro or Disney or Kenner uh, would just be obviously a dream come true, whether it's the Black Series or uh, even to be part in the uh, maybe part of the uh, the Lego sets or what have you would just uh, be obviously more than a dream come true beyond what has already uh, occurred there. And uh, if you if you end up finding yourself in in some of that, whether it's an action figure or a Lego figure so much, you know, uh, I, I'd be curious now, obviously it's a lot of times people would just, you know, like you would expect it. Well, they'll just send me one, but d would you see yourself if need be heading a store stand, standing in line for uh, for something like that? Oh my God. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that would also be a little tricky not to get a little, not, uh, I don't want to say egotistical, but to, to be in line and be like, Hey, Hey, wait, you know, that's me. That's me, you know, <laughs> um, uh, without question. Uh, but hopefully I would like to believe that, uh, maybe some fans would be able to do some trade on it if, if the figure is so rare where at least I can get my hands on at least one or two for my own. But uh, that would be just amazing. And especially to have it as one of those rare figures where uh, people have a hard time finding it, that would be just even more amazing to make it special like that. And it is. You have to give yourself hope. That it's amazing how some of these some of these characters, you know, the Klaatus and some of these where they may be on screen, they may only have a brief moment, but there's this mythos that kind of revolves around them or like a yak face where you only know it because it was a figure that you couldn't get. That has to be something you're really like kind of jazzed for even a little bit. Oh, without question. I don't think we'd be having this conversation today if, if we weren't and if the side characters weren't interesting. You know, I played, I had almost uh, over 100 uh, credits on uh, on uh, IMDb in terms of uh, multiple television appearances and principal roles throughout uh, my career. Uh, but at the same time, it's there's this magic of Star Wars where even again, the ice cream guy, right, in Empire Strikes <laughs> Back, <laughs> he's like this, uh, they've got some fandom people. I, I follow some of these uh, action figure people all over because I said, you know, if worse comes to worse, I'd love them to make a figure of me. Uh, but yeah, they even have the ice cream guy, you know, from uh, Empire Strikes <laughs> Back holding this gelato maker or whatever, you know. So, uh, yeah, without question, it would certainly be special, and uh, uh, hopefully it's something that comes to fruition. I, I would imagine it would be maybe the ninth or tenth wave, but uh, at the same time, hopefully uh, sooner than later, and hopefully, the, who knows, maybe there'll be a petition with the fan base saying, hey, you know, we like this guy, Dom, and uh, maybe give him his dream and, and give us our dream because we love the way that the, uh, the character looks. I'm sure it had to be a little tricky uh, trying to explain to the to the family at home either what you were doing, what you you know. Well, you know, I have to kind of go away. I can't say, but um, what do you think is coming up when your, your family will see you on screen for the first time in this particular role? I, I, I got to tell you, my kids, I, I they really uh, disappoint me. <laughs> I I did, a, I did a film. I starred in a sci-fi movie, and again, I can't recommend it just because they they try to squeeze a hundred million into fifty thousand dollar budget. I starred opposite Michael Madsen in a movie called Megalodon, and I had a very lengthy, regardless of the quality of budget, um, these are the people from Asylum who do Sharknado and all those kind of crazy, you know, five-headed shark movies. But anyhow, I did this really elaborate action scene, and I said, you know what, let me bring my son down, because what a cool experience for the son to watch the dad. And, you know, I'm doing this action scene with this Russian, former Russian, you know, uh, uh, special ops guy. And uh, my son, he comes to me after about a minute just because he's been around it. I mean, he was held by the lead cast of NCIS when he was one year old, you know, when I had a guest star on that show. And they just unfortunately have become so desensitized. 
that I'm hopeful that once they see my see me on screen within the Star Wars universe, I would like to believe that perhaps for the first time they'll get starstruck. But all these crime dramas and a lot of the guest stars that I have with a lot of the grown-up uh, crime series, it just doesn't it hasn't done it for them. So I think this is going to be more, as much of a surprise to them as it is to, to me in sense of uh, getting a little starstruck being in something so magical. And in some cases, when, you, when you're out and about with, with such a lengthy get of credits where someone might just go, oh, yeah, I think I know you're from somewhere. Yeah. You know, how has that changed already as far as when I'm going out, if I'm going to, you know, simple, we're making a Costco run or a Target run or something. Yeah. Have you seen some some changes already? Um, to a certain extent, yes. Yeah. I, I had a little recurring on Superstore with NBC, and that was a hit show. I played Dom the warehouse manager during season two. And then also I, I recur on Jimmy Kimmel doing some of his little funny sketches. So without question, I mean, it's not something, anything like Matt Damon or Will Smith where I have, you know, a line out the door. Um, I'm curious to see what happens when uh, this, you know, hits uh, uh, the major leagues as far as with being in the Star Wars universe and being able to hopefully, uh, see, find, you'll be able to pick out all the Star Wars fans on the train or in a restaurant or what have you. Um, but for me, I welcome it with open arms just because, again, I remember how much I appreciated uh, some of the celebrities that I met as I was coming up. When I walk on the streets in New York and I bumped into, say, Danny Aiello or Sigourney Weaver or Al Pacino and they gave me an autograph or just a pat on the head saying, hey, you know, good luck to you. Stay, stay persistent. Or Paul Servino, uh, an Italian-American, he was so inspirational to me when I uh, had my, one of my first movies. I was just doing background work. But uh uh, those things to me, on, uh, knowing how much that inspired me and especially giving acting advice, um, if I can pay that forward, uh, it just means the world to me. So really excited to have that with uh, with open arms as long as obviously nobody gets crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, I know, like I said, it, you know, the, the fandom, we can we can go in, in many different directions. Um, do you feel a, a, a bit of responsibility to kind of like try to bring out the best of us and, and just to try to like as you engage? Without question. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think uh, any major Star Wars fan knows right now it's a very divided time. You know, we can talk about Solo. We talk about eight and all the debates that are going on and all the negativity on Twitter. I, I think one of the things I would love to do and I am, am, am obviously committed to do is uh, keep everything positive. You know, everything right now that's going on in terms of, you know, I grew up in New York and the one beautiful thing I loved about it was the diversity. And the one thing with the diversity in the melting pot was that we were all one. And uh, everything from social issues now to political, I think the one thing that people love, in all honesty, and I think Mark Wahlberg said it the other day, is just, we just want to see, we just want to be entertained. We just want to, so if you look at my Facebook feed, I can't tell you how proud I am. If you go to my Twitter feed right now, or my Instagram feed, Dominic Pace, you will not see one thing that is negative or bitter or anything of that matter. It's whether it's helping somebody else, whether being proud of, of my appearances or what have you, or just some time with family. Um, I'm hoping to keep all the followers happy in terms of just positive entertainment, where no matter where your views are on the side of the coin, of whether it's Star Wars or politics or social issues, um, for me, I, I came here to entertain. I was inspired by the movies such as, um, you know, uh, 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 Superman and Star Wars and Empire, you know, and uh, uh, Jurassic Park and Goonies and all of those magical films to me were all about making people happy and making you escape. And for me, that's been my only dream. Nothing else to tell anyone else what how you should feel or how you should think. And again, God bless my peers for doing so. But uh, I would like to believe that I would bring the fan base together uh, in regards to simply just keeping about the positive and the beauty of Star Wars that has inspired all of us. Excellent. What's the what's the big takeaway you, you would like to get fans to get out of The Mandalorian? Absolutely. Uh, well, the biggest influence for me and the best episode, and I've been asked this many times, has been episode five, Empire Strikes Back. And the reason is, is because of the story. You know, as much as we like the pew, 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 and as much as we like the uniqueness of the characters and the lightsabers and the blasters, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is about, for me, you know, I grew up with just my mom. And the tension that I just recently found out as far as with George Lucas that he had with his father, the parallels that the Star Wars stories has, and of course we can go on and on in terms of the mythology and the psychology of Yoda, um, to have that depth, and Favreau being one of us, Filoni being one of us, in terms of understanding the depth of character, the depth of story, uh, Rogue One I thought did a, a fascinating job with that, that to me is what it is about. Once we start getting aside from that and it just starts getting on the surface as far as just simple battles and everything else, 
we lose, for me, any movie at all, we lose the texture. If I were to do a mafia movie as an Italian-American and it was all just about whacking people and killing them, but it had nothing to do with the motivation. If you watched Joker just recently, it had nothing to do with the makeup or Batman and, and Joker just on the surface. It has to do with what comes from within. And I know that Carano, I know that Pascal and, and Carl Weathers with such a legendary, legendary career and resume is going to be able to deliver that. And there's no question to me that Favreau and Filoni are able to deliver on that in regards to the depth of the story. Uh, I think it's going to bring everybody together because that's what we love so much about the Star Wars uh, universe. How was the cast to work with? Mm. Uh, you know, again, being a side character and being uh, a supporting in my entire career, for me, it's when you get on set, when you're dealing with a $100 million budget, uh, everything is straight business. At this level, is no longer the 1950s or 60s where you have people yelling or screaming. Sure, every now and then you might hear something with Christian Bale or Hakeem, but uh, mostly it's because they're trying to get into character. Even the yelling and the screaming or James Cameron or Michael Bay, it's not personal. It has to do with the fact that you have $100 million on, at stake uh, of a feature film or a TV series. So everything is is... There was an army ranger years ago, um, and he had this great saying called slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And what that translates to is also in terms of the business is that everyone's smiling, everybody's, but also everybody's there to get the job done. So there's not much uh, fraternizing at all. I mean, you're there, whatever they say, you know, they say jump, you say how high. When it's, it might be you know, similar to those serving in the military where you do not want to be the last one they're waiting on. So in terms of consistency, professionalism, and friendliness, I can't tell you how uh, perfect everyone was and, and how proud I think the entire cast and crew is going to be in regards to, um, uh, obviously, the outcome. And, and they should, deservingly so, in terms of everything that they've accomplished there. Do you have any idea how long the, the, the junket is going to be or how long you're going to be doing press for this? Um, th this is this is sort of uh, I'm I'm going off on my own. I mean, <laughs> in terms of if you were to ask Reyes or Klaatu in terms of how things are going to go after Return of the Jedi, that would be the similar question to me. Um, I, I really have no idea. But for me, like I said, it's really just about the celebration of the character and and uh, God willing, hopefully uh, it'll catch on to the fans. But for me, it's not really in terms of a time of length. I just enjoy speaking with the Star Wars fan base and and also sharing our appreciation of it. Uh, uh, throughout conversation there, throughout the country there. Excellent. I, I did want to ask, uh, as I know we're kind of, you know, kind of wrapping down, um, have you had a chance to get out to Galaxy's Edge and yourself or the family? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, we're actually waiting to celebrate in either January or February and, and be able to hopefully post the pictures and at the same time uh, be able to celebrate being a part of the show. So we actually are purposely holding off until after November uh, so that we're able to celebrate and uh, hopefully, who knows, maybe bring a couple of fans along uh, and, and to celebrate and say, hey, they got to go with the Star Wars bounty hunter to Galaxy's Edge there. But very excited. I always say if I ever win the lottery, the first thing that I'm buying is uh, a mansion with a backyard big enough to fit a Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I want to get a man cave in the back where you, the ramp comes up and you got your refrigerator and you got your large screen TV. Uh, so I always joke about that. So to see a, a Falcon in person, uh, a life size size is going to be a dream come true. I'm very excited for it. So I'm assuming then that the Smuggler's Run is probably tops on your bucket list when you do get to Batu. Oh, you better believe it. You know, between Boba Fett and Han Solo, those are my two favorite uh, characters. And uh, obviously, it'll be a dream come true. To I, I, I don't know how they, they work it out as far as who gets the cockpit and, you know, who gets to, to drive, uh, you know, shotgun or who's in shotgun, who gets to, to, to steer it. Uh, but uh, I definitely want to get dibs on that. Excellent. Um, and are you able, like, I, I know that your schedule is really busy. Um, are you able to take in any of the books, comic books or audio books of Star Wars? Uh, it's a great question. I actually just started getting involved with the, watching the Clone Wars uh, as far as the series. But as far as the book, I watched that. I, I read the prelude to uh, to Rogue One, and it gave a little bit more detail about Krennic, and I really, really enjoyed that uh, that uh, that that book there. But I would like to start exploring Thrawn uh, because I'm not too familiar with him, and uh, you know, I, I've been hearing like a little bit of rumors here and there that perhaps he's in Nine, or or maybe perhaps who knows, even Mando. But uh, that would be something certainly fascinating. Uh, I love how they tie everything in. And especially the fact that Mando's taking place in between uh, Return of the Jedi as well as Episode Seven uh, should have uh, lead to some magical appearances there. I'm sure, whether it's through the uh, the cartoon series or through um, uh, obviously the real series there. Oh yeah, because imagine if you found you know, if you found your character you know in a book or comic book where all of a sudden now you're it's kind of diving out now you know now you're looking at yourself you know in another medium or or even like a, a sketch card or something like that. 
Well, I, I say that the dream, you know, I told a couple of friends that, that Kenobi takes place before uh, Mando. So uh, you never know in terms of what bounty hunters uh, might be looking for Luke there. So uh, fingers crossed that would be uh, a dream come true to be able to expand. And hopefully the uh, fan fiction expands on my character as well and uh, uh, a unique bounty hunter there. That would be really fascinating. Excellent. I, I know I've put you through the ringer tonight, but is there anything we're, uh, we're sort of missing as far as things you wanted to talk about? I think we covered uh, most. I mean, uh, otherwise, uh, just uh, a great appreciation to all the fan base. Feel free to reach out uh, throughout the, the, the next few months in regards to any questions uh, they might have, you know, after November 12th. And then also uh, just to be there to support them as well. I, I added a handful of cosplayers uh, throughout the country. And, uh, you know, one of the things for me, uh, you know, is that Star Wars celebration in March um, to see the appreciation and the passion of so many cosplayers and so many fans just means so much to me in terms of just the passion of life. I, these are the people that I enjoy being around because you are amused, you are entertained with life. And, and to me, that's always been the same thing. It's always been a great positive uh, trait to have in regards to an appreciation not only for art, but also for life. And if fans want to connect with you, how do they find you on the socials? Absolutely. Twitter would be Dominic P. Pace. Uh, and Instagram is Dominic Pace one. And then you can uh, add me or uh, like my page on uh, Facebook. It would be Dominic Pace. Excellent. Dominic, it has been an absolute pleasure. And I, I really appreciate the, the time you're able to, to, to give me tonight. And uh, I think a lot of people are going get, to get a lot out of this. And I, I think you're doing it the right way. And uh, I would just say best of luck. And I, I really hope that you're um, your, your engagement in your career in Star Wars just uh, goes exactly the way you want it to. Thank you so much. It means the world. And, and again, I can't say enough how much I appreciate uh, the fan base for their support of this, uh, this side character there. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Once again, my thanks to Dominic Pace for being on the show tonight. It was a real treat to get a chance to talk with him uh, and definitely catch him in The Mandalorian, which is airing on Disney Plus as we speak. Can't wait to see it. If you have any feedback for tonight's episode, good, bad, or otherwise, you can leave a comment on the Instagram post for this episode or DM me on Instagram or email me at greg at rebelbasecard.com. You can find me on Twitter at cornfedtech or you can search for the Rebel Base Card on Facebook. If you are a sketch card artist or Star Wars artist or Star Wars collector and would like to come on the podcast and talk about your passions or your stuff, you can reach out to me on those channels I just described. Otherwise, it's been a pleasure to talk with you tonight, and we'll talk to you next time. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline, off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.